all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Hola a todos. Bienvenidos a una verdadera charla sobre el cuerpo de Cristo. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much, my beautiful Christina Nemo, for my princess, my fiance. Thank you for introducing the show. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Body of Christ Real Talk. Joseph Brownlee, your host for Body of Christ Real Talk. Hello, everybody. Like I always say, good morning, good afternoon, good mid-morning, good evening, and even for my night listeners. Hello. Welcome to the show. This is follow-up. This this topic I'm going to talk about now is doctrine. The topic I'm going to talk about now is doctrine. Now, it's not so much sound doctrine, the doctrine that the church is supposed to be taught and preaching or teaching today, but just doctrine in general. So my listeners, be prepared. This is for the believer and the unbeliever, whoever just tuning in, my curiosity listeners and all you you guys, young men, young ladies. Now, this is also a follow-up on a minister. I don't really do a lot of uh, critiquing. At least I try not to. I try not to do a lot of critiquing on different ministers and put downs on different ministers, or I try not to get into that because that's not my calling. That's not my field. It's a lot of people that does that, you know, righteously and, you know, you know, for good reason. They should be exposed in the song, just spend a majority of their time, you know, talking about or critiquing or calling ministers false teachers or false preachers. I'm very leery on that. So I'm very careful when it comes to that. So I don't spend my time on that, especially on this show. You know, my other show, Body uh, Connecting the Dots, is strictly Bible study. I don't talk about nobody else or nobody else's doctrine on there. I'm basically keeping in the Word of God sound doctrines for today. Okay, here come the sinus. Well, anyway, I'm going to do a piggyback. I'm going to do a follow-up on a story or a topic I'd done maybe a week ago on uh, Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley's uh, dad, but I'm going to be doing this on Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley's son. I'm sorry. I didn't say that right. Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley's son. And if you all remember, and if you go back, remember, I, uh, I critiqued the debate he had with Jeff Durbin. Okay. I'm finally saying that name, right? Uh, Jeff Durbin, they had a, they have a doctrinal differences on their belief and their approach, uh, when it comes to, ministry or witnessing, as we call it, to people about the Bible, even teaching fellow believers about the Word of God. They have a different approach. And, uh, okay, I listened to that. Remember, when I I, 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 I tried to be 
very honest and I try to be fair. If I'm going to listen to a, a debate, if I'm going to critique a certain minister, whatever like that. And remember when I said when I listened to uh, the debate between Jeff Durbin and Andy Stanley, it was basically on Old Testament, New Testament, et cetera, like that. Not so much the mention of the body of Christ, like I said, or, you know, uh, a lot of Paul's teachings were it was based basically on the standings of the Old Testament and New Testament. And remember when I looked, I, I didn't, I listened to that debate, you know, fully through. And I told you what I got out of the debate, I tried to be fair to both of them. And I didn't like what I did not like uh, about the debate. First of all, they didn't get too much. They didn't mention mystery. They didn't mention uh, the body of Christ or nothing like that. It was basically Old Testament. And it was more for the new and his perception. What do you think? Perception or what do you think the New Testament is? And it was Jeff Durbin. He believes in the old and new, but basically he has some baggage of Calvinism teaching that he brings to the table. And I'm getting into those, get into that later on down the line. Why I think this is very important when it comes to doctrine. Okay. And when that debate was over, I'm not going to go through. You have to go back and check out that uh, that uh, that podcast yourself. But when the debate was over, remember I said I leaned more to, towards Andy's perspective. Why? Because Andy kind of get it. He didn't have the whole full uh, breakdown or knowledge of rightly dividing, but he did dispensationally rightly divide, you know, what he was trying to break down. Now, when I say that, when I critiqued this debate. What I looked at is what the ammunition that I have from them. That's the only thing I have from them. I didn't know what their backgrounds or anything like that. Because uh, what I mean by background, a lot of ministers and a lot of us, our teachings come from some type of denominational or some type of past fathers or we call them forefathers type of teaching. A lot of our teachings. The majority of Christians today uh, get a lot of their teaching, denominational-wise, not so much from the Bible, sadly to say, but from the forefathers or from the people who started certain religions and believed the certain things they believed in, and they took it their way, then they started some type of churchism or some type of denomination or some type of faith or belief of what they stand on. The majority of so-called Christians and churchgoers, that way, I don't care what it is. When it comes to denominations and stuff like that. Oh, I'm getting clogged up again with the sinus. I'm sorry. But anyway, to be fair, I was trying to be fair. To be fair, and it's important when you're critiquing someone, uh, let me put it this way. When I looked at this debate, listened to this debate, and looked at it as well, I look at what they're saying, what they're teaching. I look at facial expressions. That just helps me look at facial expressions, you know. And when I looked at the uh, debate and I listened to the debate, I leaned, if I was a, a judge, like America Idol or something like that, or Bible Idol, whatever you want to call it, if I was a judge, I would have went towards me, myself, a single judge would have went towards Andy because I felt he was more, at that time, leaning towards how to rightly divide between, you know, the dispensations or whatever like that, even though... He didn't go fully within it and didn't explain it well enough, you know, than Jeff Durbin. Jeff Durbin, if you listen to Jeff Durbin, 
And I don't know too much of Jeff Durbin. I also looked at some of his shows and I learned more about uh, Jeff Durbin and why he teach what he teach. I did not do that before I listened to the debate. The same with Andy Stanley. I didn't know Andy Stanley, what was his creed? Say, Joe, what do you mean by creed? What is his faith? Why he, Why do he teach what he teach? I did not do no background check on Andy Stanley as well. So I kind of went into this debate kind of blindly why everybody was knocking Andy Stanley and what was so dangerous and so <clears throat> wrong about the teachers of Andy Stanley. Could he be that far away from the teachers of Charles Stanley or whatever like that? So that's the way I looked at it. That's the way I looked at that debate. So I tried to be fair and open like I usually try to do. Don't try to put nobody over the other. But I heard of Andy Stanley more than I have Jeff Durbin. Uh, well, anyway, like I said, when I listen, I also know why I'm so much out of breath. But when I listen to that debate, I went towards, if it was a judge, I would have went towards Andy Stanley. I didn't get much out of both of them. But I felt Jeff Durbin was trying to just push and was using a lot of things. I didn't know what he was going. I didn't know what he was saying. He used certain scriptures like Ephesians, I think five, uh, uh, I think was that, 2 and 11 or something like that. He used that out of context to make it seem like that we was under the covenant on the end. I did. He went through it fast. I don't know if it's purposely or not, but I caught that and I did not like that because that's not true. That's not what what that verse meant, and uh, so I had to just debunk that right there. But uh, I felt it was a lot of Andy Stanley was like, oh yeah, whatever, whatever. This is what I believe. And then he got that kind of nonchalant type of look. He he stands on something, but is his heart really there? I don't know. But uh, I'm going to say yes. But anyway, if regular debate, I had limited information on Jeff Durbin and Andy Stanley when I critiqued that debate. And I lean more towards Andy Stanley, not saying that he's got it down pat. None of us do, but he was leaning towards a rightly dividing way. And Jeff Durbin was not, or Jeff Durbin wasn't perceiving to me, to, uh, wasn't showing to me, showing me that he was, he was more doctrinal strong, which is none of that. And certainly you see like he was throwing a more law, more law for the day and more stronger standards and whatever. He was saying a lot. He went a long, long way, but he wasn't really saying nothing to me, you know, cause using a lot of big words, you get me lost. You're not saying nothing when somebody asks you a simple question. And he go when you go around it, I have an issue with that. We have to. It's like a politician when you ask them a simple question, they say good question. Usually, when a person to me when they say good question and they pause, they're thinking about the question. It's kind of tough. Good question is mean that's a challenging question. You know, when you ask, oh, that's a good question. Now, I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people they have to, and, they, and if they pause, good question. I get. Uh, ask that a lot and it seems like that times they give us time to think all of a lot of us do that we think it about their question so we say good question we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions and it's because that occasional shave really hurts it's the time of year for big occasions and yet there he is suffering with that cheap drugstore razor let's help him out henson shavings line of razors built with aerospace precision deliver a smooth shave your dad brother and even son can enjoy eventually with replacement blades just 10 cents each you'll buy it once and they'll use it for life how's that for the perfect gift Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday.
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. You know, whether we know it or we don't know it, or it's a challenge, and you hear that a lot, you still don't know how to answer it. But anyway, so what I've done, this is what I've done, what I'm going to let you do. I'm sorry about that. I had an interruption, keep getting interrupted, so I just pause it for a little bit, but uh, sometimes it's hard for me to get back where I left off at. Well, anyway, what I've done, I went back. And I fairly searched and started listening to a lot of uh, Andy Stanley's teaching. And what was the big controversy about the way he teaching? What is he teaching? I've seen a lot of episodes of people uh, saying this about Andy Stanley. They had their little clips and whatever like that. And I said, yeah, there's some issues with that, what they was throwing out about what he was saying. But when you edit and you know somebody and you just show certain clips even though that person is saying that, I like to see the whole clip. That's just, I think that's just fair to everybody to see the whole clip before you start accusing. I think a lot of us that does podcasts and YouTube, we use editing. What I see a lot of people use a lot of clips and editing or they just heard it and they just go crazy on it and use those certain sayings. You need, whether the person was wrong or right, we need to just go back and just look at the whole uh message of a person, which is whether it's from the ministry or whether it's politically. I think we need, that's why I always call myself a, a somewhat of a context person. I can't help it. I have to go through the verses before or after to, to get the real meat of something. So I feel, I feel that's fair when you're trying to call or, or if you're calling somebody a false teacher or false preacher or a set of like that because we just might have somewhat doctrinal differences. Some might be serious and some might not be. It's just doctrinal differences or what how we see things, you know. So I, I, I say, well, let me see what's what's this deal with Andy Stanley. What does Andy Stanley? What the my, my main uh the, the way that I was gonna do this, I was gonna look look for his church. Find his church, North Community Church in, in, in Georgia, and see what his creed or what they believe, what what was the church creed. Because most churches have a creed or what they believe in. So that's what I was going to look for first. That's very important when you're trying to critique or find somebody. Because if you find out what they stand on, not everything in their church, boom, bam, boom, 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 woo, woo, woo. That usually tells you what they're going to preach and what they believe in. But I didn't go there first. I looked at a few clips and et cetera like that. And I said, let me go a few of his sermons. And then I went through a few of his sermons because I want to know what what do Andy, what does Andy Stanley believe and why do he believe it? Because it's always a why, a motive. It's always a why you believe what you believe, whatever denomination or what you stand on. Why do he believe what he believe or what did that come from? Was it him? I doubt if it's him. It usually never be us. We got it from somebody. But we always say it's the Bible. But it's usually a traditional type of denominational or some type of teaching that we got it from, no matter if it's the faith or some type of code or whatever like that. So anyway, I want to say, why do Andy teach what he teach and where did he get it from? Okay. Well, my uh, 
experience of following up on that. When I listen to somebody teach, I know they got it from somebody else because a lot of times it's not in the Bible. You're going to either do it these ways. You're going to exegesis or you're going to eisegesis when it comes to the Bible. Let me say this again. You're either going to exegesis, read the Bible with context and literally looking at the who, what, when, where, or you're going to eisegesis, you're going to spiritualize this and use a lot of allegories. Now, there's nothing wrong with allegories because the Bible does use some allegories, but my point is outrageous allegories in every scripture or you spiritualize this uh, every scripture or verse in the Bible. So you're going to either exegesis it or you're going to eisegesis it to death. Okay, that's what, that's what I'm looking for. <coughs> And there's other ways to find out why a person believes what they believe. And another way is this way. You have different, let me get some light over here. I got a paper, I wrote these notes down. You have different upbringings of belief that I'm, uh, I looked into. When you listen to a person, a person or persons minister or teach or talk, you can find out why they believe what they believe in because they're in one of these categories of upbringing in their church or in their household. You have different upbringings of covenant theology. You have upbringings of replacement theology. You have upbringings of Calvinist theology. You have upbringings of lordship salvation. You have upbringings of oneness theology. And you have upbringings of postmodern evangelistic uh, analogies or upbringing or you have dispensationist sational theology or you have replacement theology. I thought I said that already, but replacement theology. Now, this new one I just heard it was called supersationist and then you have sensationist. said, Joe, what in the world is that? i explain it the best way I can later on down the line. Maybe not the show, but later on down the line because I'm going to get into all of that. Now, believe it or not, you might not admit it, because all these are Baptists, Lutherans, Pentecostals, they all mixed up in one. They either believe this way because one of these upbringings. Everybody, all of us. That's why you have so many denominations. We believe one of these ways. Calvinist, covenant theology, replacement theology, super secessionist, oneness, we only believe there's one God, we don't believe in the triune, lordship, salvation, dispensationalist, or, you know, or something like that. So it's it's really different type of denominations was got a certain upbringing, why they believe what they believe, or they left a certain church because they believe this other belief. But you wouldn't notice they say it all comes from the Bible. And Satan is a master of confusion. <laughs> they said all we say. Let me put me in there. We said all come to the Bible. But what it boils down to is sound doctrine. What it boils down to is connecting the dots. What it boils down to is studying to show ourselves approved, rightly divided. So it comes down to a rightly dividing issue with most of these different type of beliefs. But mostly every denomination or people on YouTube or whatever, or churches, you know, physical, virtual, whatever, believe this type of way, and they don't even know it. Their creed and their faith is based on these type of beliefs. You just got to find out which one is you, and some of you know. Okay, and I'll get back to that later. But what I did, I started looking at some, uh, listening to some of Andy Stanley's sermons. And I started saying, okay, blah, 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 start 
listening more and more, and I said, okay. I didn't, I got away from the clips because everybody was, like, saying he's a false teacher and blah, blah, blah. He's putting this. He's taking a whole Old Testament out. He believes in throwing the Old Testament out, period, or we should not go with the Old Testament. And I said, wow, don't he know better than that? Is he really teaching that? I can understand, you know, do we know anything about the postponement or anything like that with Israel, according to Romans 11, 11? Do we know anything about that? Do we know about the mystery, the teachers of Paul? You know, do we know anything about that? I wouldn't say he did or to see, say he would not. But I remember one time he was talking, he was talking about, yeah, that's just something about his super succession beliefs. I didn't even know what that was. I never, I heard of a lot of these things I just named out, but I never heard of that. You might say, Joe, where are you going with that? Well, I'm going with this now by me researching and understanding what and why Andy Stanley teaches like he teach and why he believe what he believe is because one of these that I just named. He's either a covenant, believes in a covenant theology. He believes in a replacement theology, which that means that a covenant theology is basically all covenant. Uh, you believe that everybody is under the covenant, all the churches, Israel, you know, and not everybody's under the whole covenant. The church are replacement theology means you believe that we are the spiritual Israel. There's no more Israel. We are Israel, the whole church. Calvinist theology, they got their own beliefs and they got their, their five points. They believe in predestination. They believe that God chose everyone. He picked certain ones out to be saved and die. Believe it or not, the majority of Calvinists believe that God predestined. They use the word predestined as God chose certain ones, you know, and they got this from Ephesians, pointed out certain individuals to say, you go be saved, you go be saved, and the other ones are dead. He is almost saying that God chose some to be destined for heaven and some to be destined for hell, which is not true. That's not, that's not the Bible. But that's what a lot of Calvinists teach. And they got a lot of other good doctrines, but that's one of their points and everything like that, uh, the atonement thing. Lordship, salvation, you know, the basis of them, they believe you have to be saved and, you know, make Jesus your Savior, but you he, you cannot make him your Savior without making him your Lord. And there's other things. They got a, a lot of other background and baggage on them as well. Of course, one is they don't believe in the triune. They believe one God. They go to Deuteronomy. It talks about the one God. And you got the postmodern uh, evangelists, you know, like the Rick Warrens and all them. They're their type of, uh, we must come down to other people letter. We must get people prepared. We must teach the Bible and and an approach that'll be gratifying to the people of today, mainly the millennium. Then you got the dispensational believers. You know, people will call me that. Like I said, I don't let you call me that, but they, but you have many dispensational believers. You got the mid acts. You got the uh, you got the Acts two um, dispensationalists, and you got the uh, Acts twenty eight dispensationalists. But dispensation altogether just mean that you are rightly dividing God's word. See. You separate Israel, the kingdom of heaven, from the church, the body of Christ. You don't use, you don't think, you think Israel is postponed, but you know Israel will be back. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday when you save on auto insurance for driving safe with usaa safe pilot you'll feel like a big deal 
even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Again, in the kingdom, you don't throw them out like a lot of other ones do. Totally replace them. We dismiss most dispensation, no matter what you fall on, believe that we are not replacement Israel. There is an Israel. Israel will be back in the kingdom. Israel etc. Some believe and they still use the Old and New Testament. Mid-Acts believe that uh, the, the Israel is Old Covenant past and New Covenant future. All Israel, not the church. So you you got a lot of that. Then you got the sensationists. Sensationists, they're more like they don't believe that none of the signs and gifts and miraculous miracles are for today. You know, dispensationists as well, but cessationists really dwell on signs, wonders, and gifts and and stuff like that when it comes to cessationists. So, you know what I'm saying? All these fall into the Baptist, Pentecostal, Lutheran, or whatever, et cetera, et cetera, churches and stuff like that. You know, they believe one way or the other. That's why you have so many denominations along with another other main up doctrinal uh, errors in the church today. Okay, back to Andy Stand and believe me, one of you, you came out of one of these beliefs, or you are still in it. Let me say that again, with love. You came out of one of these beliefs, or you are still you are still in it. Your belief tradition—that's why I always use traditional belief. You are caught up in that type of thought pattern and belief. See, you hooked, and it's hard to get out of it. Okay, but let me let me uh talk about Andy Stanley. So I was fair with Andy Stanley. I started listening to some of his messages and and stuff like that, but. I said, okay, I want to see, a, I want to hear a full, full message of Andy Stanley. I can't go back what somebody else clips, even though this kind of convinced me a little bit, but it wasn't enough. I want to see what this guy really teaches and what makes him so different than Charles Stanley and his approach. Now, when he was debating uh, Jeff Durbin, he was always talking about an approach. And I got a list here. Of if you ever listen to Andy Stanley, particularly, or anybody, this is what you need to learn and even write notes. But I don't waste my time just writing everything that somebody says. Let me get my light here. That what a person got a habit of saying. That's very important. What does a person got a habit of saying when it comes to teaching God's word or elaborating on God's word. Now, Andy Stanley believes an approach when it comes to the uh, people today, the unsaved, or some of the believers. He believes you need to have a certain approach. And he might get that from Paul. Paul said, I came down, I became a Jew, and I done this just to win them. Now, the the thing is, when Paul came down to your level, that don't mean he was stooping low. That means he came down to what they believe. He got his head shaved and everything. He even does certain things to win them to Christ. Not under the law, but through grace. So that's what Paul was doing it for. Not to go back to the law. And some people would take that as Paul was still doing the law. No, he went to that level and done some of the things that they required him to do because he knew the law wasn't no more. He wasn't going to get affected with that because there was no law anyway no more. But he went that way just to get them some truth and tell them about grace when it came to the Jews. Or even some Gentiles to get them out of their paganism. But basically, when it came to the Jews, they were saying, yeah, you got to do this, you got to do this. Paul said, okay, you got to cut your hair. Yeah, he done that. Whatever it takes to win them to win them to Christ and tell them about the mystery of what Jesus is doing now. That's why he went back there. Not to go back to the law. He just said he became under the law again. No, the Bible. Paul is not teaching that. But when I 
uh, somewhat critiqued Andy Stanley very carefully. And I wrote these down as he was talking so I can use my own uh, critiqueness or judgment of what Andy Stanley is saying. Now, one of the things I noticed in Andy Stanley, when I listened to his sermons, very, out, not outspoken, but very good speaker, very outstanding communicator. He's a very good communicator. He very seldomly stumbles over his words. He's very good at that. He very seldomly stumbles over his word. He moves, he uses his hands a lot. He very seldomly, I do that too. So not all these are not bad things, so don't get me wrong. He very seldomly stumbles on his word. I me. Mean, no, I stumble over my word a lot. <laughs> I mispronounce words. But he's a good communicator. He's a good uh, orator. So he very, sta- uh, you know, I'm impressed with his, not, his good communication and stuff like that, and how he can get through something and don't stumble a lot. That's very good. You know, I, that always, I was always impressed by that. Now, also, Andy Stanley, he uses a lot of life stories before he starts his teaching and PowerPoint. And then reads it into the word of God. Now, I wrote this down. What I noticed of Andy Stanley, Andy Stanley uses a lot of life stories, stories about life, nothing wrong with that, before he starts his teaching and PowerPoint and then reads it into the word of God. So when you listen to these some clips that I'm going to do on uh, Andy Stanley now, what he's going to be teaching is a series called Investigating Jesus. And this is part one. I listen to mostly all of them. You know how I got my critique, but what he's going to be doing is going to be called this series that he has he has done or doing is, is called investigating Jesus. You can look this up yourself. You know about Andy Stanley investigating Jesus. Now another thing, Andy Stanley, I see that he do. Andy Stanley puts a lot of emphasis on who told Luke about the stories about what happened instead of saying Luke said that's interesting. Now he said, Joe, what's wrong with that? Now. Excuse me, I'm getting clogged up. What I'm saying, Andy Stanley puts a lot uh, of, let's say for instance, when Andy Stanley, Stanley, he does not say, this is what the word of God says in the book of Luke or something like that. He might say, this is what Luke said about this. You follow what I'm saying? Like A lot of us are just saying, this is what the word of God, this is what the word of God says in the book of Luke. You know, we don't put emphasis on Luke said it this way, but this is what the word of God always said in the book of Luke. It says this. Andy will say it like this. This is what this is what this person told Luke. Now, the reason he put it that way, let me let me put it out there. The reason because he explained this himself. Well, Luke was talking to Theophilus. First of all, he went through a little history of Luke. He's good at back checking and everything. Might not be all accurate, but this is his, uh, he adds a lot of things, but this is his back checking. The reason Andy's defense of saying why he just mentioned the one who told Luke, because he said Luke got a lot of his information from different people, which is true. Yeah, yeah. Because Luke was not an apostle, he wasn't a disciple. He got a lot of his information from different people, blah, 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 and everything like that. So Andy, that's why Andy said the ones who told Luke, this is what Luke said. Andy would go that roundabout way. Now, you might say, why do you do that? I don't know why he do that. I have a feeling why he does that. 
but I can be wrong. But that's how he don't say the word of God. I said this. Oh, this is what said in the book of Luke. He might say, well, this is what this, these people told Luke. And Luke wrote it down. Now, he's not saying he don't believe it, but he goes round about that way for some reason. I never heard nobody go that route before, but I have now. Andy Stanley go that route. So he had he puts a lot of emphasis on who told Luke about the stories, about what happened, instead of saying Luke said that's interesting. It's a very interesting point. That's kind of another, uh, something I noticed about Andy Stanley. He puts it on who told. Now, he probably wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have done it with Matthew. He wouldn't have done that with John. Why? Because they were there. Now, I have, I'm not, this is not proof, but I cannot, I cannot see him doing it with Matthew, uh, and John because John, Matthew and John walked with Jesus. Luke didn't walk with Jesus side by side. Uh, nor did Mark. They got the information from them or some other followers like Paul and all of them. So that's why he says the ones who told Luke or the ones who told Mark. But Matthew, he cannot say that. He might say, but he would say, uh, uh, he don't want to say the scripture said in the book of Matthew. He would just say, Matthew said this or John said. You see what I'm saying? But if it was somebody that wanted a disciple or walk with Jesus, he would say, that's what they told Luke or this is what they told Mark. That's how Andy seems like he approached things. Okay. All right. This is another, uh, no, something I know from Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley believes that Christians need to shift their attention off the Bible to the resurrection. He learned this concept from, uh, let me get my papers from, uh, let me see this. I got it wrote down. He got this concept in a, the seminary college he went to over, what, over 30 something years ago. Oh, what, he got that concept. See, Remember, I was saying a lot of our teachings or what we learn, it comes from somebody or some denominational teachers, not so much from the Bible. He even admitted that it's a concept, not the Bible, because it's not the Bible, but it's a concept. I'm not saying it's wrong or it's right, but I'm just saying this, according to Andy, he got this teaching from another teacher in a seminary school. If you go to a Bible college or seminary college, or whether it's Catholic or Protestant or whatever, you're going to get taught what they believe in. You're going to get taught a doctrine of what they was taught, this doctrine, didn't it? Whatever, who taught them, their father taught them, their father taught them. You're going to get kind of a family type of doctrine. Maybe Bible, maybe not. But that's what you're going to get. That's why I say the majority of people just end up like they did in the past up and read their Bible and let the Holy Spirit teach us what it was really saying. A lot of us ignore the Holy Spirit and we turned into dominant denominations and then we start picking certain fruits of what we believe about the Bible. And then we say the Holy Spirit told us that somebody is wrong because you have all these denominations, but they believe the Holy Spirit led them that way. That tells you, no, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. All these are named. It's a traditional man-made way of looking at the Bible. Now, I'm not saying they're all wrong. Some are far-fetched, some are close, some are correct. But you got to find out how to rightly divide. But all usually, we all had a habit of saying the Holy Spirit told us this. So the Holy Spirit telling all these different, of thousands of denominations, different type of things. Something is not right with that. Either you're a liar or God is a liar. And I, we know who's a liar or who's exaggerating. So that's the problem. Okay. All right. Another here. Andy Stanley thinks the church should change things about the scripture in a broader view of faith. Change our thinking and change our terminology for the truth. This is Andy Stanley. What do you mean by that? I'm not sure. So that's just what he believes. I believe he's looking at it in a 
way because when he was talking with Jeff Durbin, <clears throat> he was telling Jeff Durbin because Jeff Durbin said we need to stick to the word blah blah blah, and he kind of called Jeff Durbin on God when he said, "Now I looked at one of your uh your uh." YouTube's and I noticed when you was talking with somebody and menacing somebody in the street, you have to come down to their level so they can understand you better. You just can't beat them outside the head of the Bible talking about the Old Testament. Now, Andy was correct on that. Jeff didn't have too much to say about that because even when I go out, if I minister to somebody on my podcast or even when I was out there, it depends on a person's understanding. And you're not going to find out how much a person understands until you get to talk with them. You just can't go out there and say, you need to be saved or you're going to hell. The majority of the people that know about the Bible, somewhat about the Bible, already know that. They already know that. But when it comes to the gospel, and I still don't know what cop, uh, I'm going to look and know, what is, how do people get saved according to Andy? What is the gospel to Andy? But that's another thing right there, because that's, that's the key. You approach them in a way. That's what Andy means by approach. When you talk about terminology and everything like that, you're trying to explain something when it comes to the Bible plainly without milking it down. Now, I'm saying without milking it down. Now, I don't know if he milks it down, but I'm saying without milking it down. I get what he's saying. You can turn talk to a person in a way to make it plain and with, with the word of God without milking or adding or taking away from the deity or the word of God. So I agree with him on that, but I don't know where he do it. I, I just don't. But when I find out more about his teaching, I'm gonna come to. Uh, I'm gonna let you know what I feel about that. Okay. All right. All right. Now, Andy Stanley also believes our current version of the Bible needs to be stripped. And that was very deep. That caught my eye, too. Andy Stanley. I was, now, these things I'm talking, saying, I'm not making this up. This coming out of his own mouth. Andy Stanley believes our current version of the Bible, whatever version he's talking about now, is many translations and versions. I don't know what version he was specific on the version. Believes our current version of the Bible needs to be stripped of a variety of old covenant leftovers, old covenant concepts, slow down. Now, you could take this in different ways. This is on Andy. When he says need to be stripped, that's a strong word. I can see why people get mad at that and they call him this, that he's trying to get rid of the whole Old Testament. Because when he says stripped, that's the wrong word. I'm not as smart as Andy or educated, but I look at that stripped, it's the wrong word. Then he says the Bible needs to be stripped of a variety of old covenant leftovers, which is another strong word. I get what he's saying, but I believe sometimes Andy say some things that sound like he's anti-Semitic or anti-Old Testament. I can see why people would think that. I'm not saying that he is, but certain ways you can say things, even when I talk about, you know, rightly dividing, or I talk about the Apostle Paul, or the law is not for the day, or Jesus' earthly ministry. People could look at me thinking that I'm against Jesus when he was on the earth, or I don't listen to nothing in the and the Old Testament or the four Gospels anymore. So you got people out there will rip you apart over and use you as a straw man because they don't understand what you're really saying. After you allow it to happen to Andy, some unfairly and some fairly. The reason I say fairly, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. But I'm going to get into them too. All right. All right. Okay. So he left over and old covenant concepts slow us down. Okay. Old covenant concepts is almost sound like, you know, we shouldn't talk about nothing other old covenant. Now I can see if you witnessing to somebody or you minister to somebody or you're trying to teach somebody the Bible, the whole Bible is inspired by God. I understand you said we need to focus on Jesus, whatever like that. Yes. Jesus is through the whole Bible though. 
If you just read Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus, you are, you are uh, not belittling, but you're neglecting a person to understand the wholeness of the whole word of God. You know, and you don't look at the Bible as an inherent word of God, really. Not. When somebody said that, I couldn't believe it, but when I heard him say that, yeah, he really don't. He look at the scriptures, but he don't like the word Bible. This is what Andy says about this. Why? You know, Andy says he don't use the word Bible because he said all the words and all the prophets and all the scriptures that was wrote was put into this so-called book. And then it was called the Bible. So he kind of play with words. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? He kind of play with words. That's why his excuse of not using the Bible. Now, he probably was taught this, too. I don't believe he just figured out himself, and I could be wrong. But he believed, and it's true, even the King James, it was put into a book and called the Bible. So he kind of played for words. So he would say he don't think the 66 books in the Bible, he, think that's, he don't think there's any, what they call it, any is, is relevant or is really some people say, well, he's not saying that's the word of God. I don't think he really saying that, but the way Andy say things sometimes sounds like he's saying that. So some questions I will ask him, do you believe in the six, six books in the Bible It's for, you know, it's the word of God. That's all you need to ask a person like Andy. He's a go arounder. So he'll, he'll come out with a lot of big words and everything. So you can take that as him not believing the whole 66 books in the Bible. Now, if he, if he don't explain himself and he just try to say, well, the Bible word or the word Bible, I understand what you're saying. Some people say you don't say the word, the Bible, you just say the word of God, you say the scripture. So that's called playing with words. So you, when you talking about the word of God, people use this. Well, the word of God says this, or this is what the scripture said, or this is what the Bible said. Andy wouldn't use it like that, even though he slipped a few times and said the Bible. Even if sometimes you say you against something, still use the term because the traditional term is hard to stop doing. I can understand that, so I'm going to be fair with him on that. But his outlook for what, this is not on my notes, what he feel about the Bible. I know I'm going a long time, but I want you to hear him himself so you can know yourself. And, uh, and why I know why he believed what he believed. <clears throat> so he believed it was a lot of scriptures rolled up, blah, blah, blah. The old Dead Free Scrolls, the canon and all that, the canopy and all that was, the Torah was rolled up and blah, blah, and finally put into this book thousands of years later. And, you know, and it was called the Bible, 66 books. That's what he, that's his defense of saying why he talks about the 66 books. He's not saying he's against the scriptures, but he's against, uh, the word Bible, he believes the books and the scriptures are the word of God is important. But the Bible, don't say the Bible because the Bible is nothing without the scriptures. You know, something like that. He was saying something like that. So it could sound very confusing and it sounds like you're saying you're against it. So whether he's against it or not, I'm going to come to the end part and I'm going to tell you what, according to what he believes in and why he believes. Okay. And this is not me making this up. Okay, Andy also believes the Old Testament is not the Old Covenant. He always used covenant. He don't use testament. A lot of us use it interchangeably, or they say the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. I get what he's saying with that, but he put emphasis on the Old Covenant. Okay, his problem is with the Old Covenant saying the Old Covenant is not for the new, uh, what's that? I can't even read my own writing. It's not for the new covenant church. 
So it's just like I was saying the old he's saying the old covenant is not for the new covenant. Now, you would say, yeah, that's correct. Andy, like most denominations, rightly divide God's word. And I said this before, most denominations look at the Bible as the as the old covenant and the new covenant. They believe the old covenant was Israel. They have no issues with that. Laws and covenants and everything. So on the sake of Andy, I'm going to use covenant. So Andy looks, thinks the old covenant is old covenant, Israel, laws and stuff like that. He gets that. He's an intelligent man. He gets that. But what he don't get, he thinks the new covenant is the church for the day. An intelligent, the same intelligent man that I believe does his, his Bible, looks at his Bible, read his Bible, and I'm getting into what Bible he read and different things like that, still can't find to see the differences that, that he still cannot seem to see or understand or choose not to understand that the old covenant is real and the new covenant is Israel. The new covenant is not the church or the new testament, if you want to play with words, it's not the church. So I'm kind of, what's up with that? Now, either he believes that because of his teachings or he just chooses not to because his traditional type of seminary teaching goes against that. So it's one or the other. It's one or the other. Okay. All right. Let me get through this. Now, I have other notes here. I have a lot of stuff here that I can't really get through, but uh, let's continue. So this is just to be fairness. Andy Stanley. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday your home is more than the sum of its parts and creating a truly extraordinary space is about more than picking the perfect products that's why the experts at ferguson bath kitchen and lighting gallery are here to help you throughout the entire process to create a home that's as unique as you are bring your vision to us schedule your showroom consultation and see more from brands like monogram at build.com ferguson The foundation of our faith is not the Bible. That's a strong word. The foundation of our faith is not the scriptures. Okay, that's a that's a quote from Andy Stanley. Now, why did he say that? Now, according to what I got on, he wants to focus on Jesus and his resurrection. Because when, even when he asked Jeff Durbin, and he's out of his, his mouth, Andy Stanley's mouth himself, when he asked Jeff Durbin, would it be a Bible without the resurrection? That's easy to me, but Jeff Durbin kept going around and blah, blah, blah to prove his points and all this stuff. And that's what turned me off of Jeff Durbin. He just sounded like a politician. I'm sick of hearing politicians go around questions. That's pretty much simple. But he asked him again, but that didn't answer. You didn't answer me. Would there be a Bible without the resurrection? Would there be a need, I like to put it, for the Bible without the resurrection of Jesus? Now, if you ask me that, no. 
No, everything is based on us being redeemed and reconciled back to God. And the only way that can happen is through the death, is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what both of them is confused on is rightly divided and appalling mystery. They're confused about the mystery. See, but that's another teaching. No, there would not be a need for a Bible. Sure, they could have made something, but remember, he used the Bible. He did say the Bible. That's hard to get out of. But will there be a Bible? I'm going to put it in his own words, quoting, without the resurrection of Christ. There will not be no need for no Bible. No, the whole purpose of the word of God is salvation, period. It's this history, what happened, why we need God today. That's that's point blank. Just knowing the the, the uh, Old Testament and all the other things, you know, and just knowing Martha, Martha, if Jesus never was raised again, Paul explained that if there was no resurrection, we doing all this stuff in vain. Everything else, even the past, was for nothing. Of course, no. So that was an easy question. Jeff could have answered, but he tried to go all around it to prove his point. Not a good answer, Jeff. Something is just easy to answer if you call yourself an advocate Bible reader, okay? So that's what Andy uh, sneaks up in there. Okay, let me see something else here. Andy Andy also said, if we should not take what Luke said because it's in the Bible. Let me, I'm reading this out of context. I got these. You know you write notes and you get them all tangled up. Andy said about Luke's gospel because basically he put a lot of emphasis on Luke's gospel even when he did that got into Christmas and all that which was not good teaching it sounded good and very intelligent because of the way he communicates he can get communicating fixed, mixed up with truth but got to be got to be very careful he says we should not take what Luke said because it's in the bible okay Luke carefully investigated the life of Jesus. So he makes he, he put a lot of basis on Luke investigate. That's what the name of his series is, Investigating Jesus. So he, when he talks about Luke, it's always Luke investigated everything he said. So I'll say if Luke put it there, that means he's investigated and people told him what happened. Because remember, Luke wasn't there walking with Jesus. That's the way Andy would bring something when it comes to Luke, or even if he even if he was teaching Mark, I believe he'd become the same way, but he couldn't do that too much with Matthew and John because Matthew and John walk with Jesus. That's the way I look at it, okay? So, all right. <clears throat> all right. Andy says believers did not change the world, but doers and followers did. Okay. That's another way to me of playing with words. Andy says believers, believers as in the church, the body of Christ, I believe we're talking about, or even in the past, did not change the world, but doers and followers did. So if you, you say, oh, that sounds good, that sounds powerful, but you need to clarify yourself. If you're looking at believers, okay, I'm assuming you're talking about believers and Jesus, because he, he don't say really believers or Christians, he used the term Jesus followers. That's another thing when you listen to Andy, he, he often used Jesus followers, not so many as Christians. Another thing, Andy, that don't use, I never heard him use yet, is the body of Christ. I never heard heard him say one time, he probably have, but the sermons that I listened to him, because I gave him a fair look, he don't use the term body of Christ, which is very important when you're trying to separate the old and the new as he do. 
the secret and mystery is what's messing a lot of people up because they don't read Pauline's teaching as it only been revealed to him. They looked at Paul's teaching, Peter's teaching, James all as the same type of teaching, even Andy. That as intelligent he is, he don't see that. That tells you he don't understand the mystery. He don't understand the secret that was only revealed to Paul. Because Paul teaches and James teaches and Peter's teaches and Jesus' earthly ministry teaching are not the same. But he put it all as a New Testament. They all saying the same thing. So I know Andy does believe that. Okay. Andy mentions faith or Christianity when talking about or being saved. See, you don't say a person is saved. In other words, he just calls them. He talks about your faith. Your faith can be anything. So you got to be careful that your faith can be anything. Andy does not believe that. Andy does not believe that uh, God exists or is the Bible true? It is not that important, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, are they reliable? Now, see, that's what gets me. That's not good, Andy. Now, what he's saying, out of his own words, what I heard him say, Andy does not believe that. Uh, I can't even read my own word when I try to write notes. Okay, Andy does not believe, or the important part is, is not that does God exist or is the Bible true or not? Andy said, that's not important. The most important thing is Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, if they are reliable. So in other words, if you go into Genesis or the unbeliever, let me look at the unbeliever. So I don't want to misquote what I think he's saying because he's not clear either. If the question is, it's not to ask, even for a believer, does God exist? Or is the Bible true? But what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are their teachers reliable? Now, first mistake you made, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is in the Bible. But if you look at Andy, remember, Andy kind of leaves out the word Bible. So I'm looking at it, or just say, he's not saying the word of God. He's just saying, don't worry about, it's not important to know if God exists. I, I follow you on that. Or is the Bible true? The most important thing is, is Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are they reliable? That's his take when it comes. So you see, you see a lot of Andy's take when it comes to the word of God. If you listen to him, The way his approach is, and he's very intelligent the way he does it. He, like I said, he's a very good communicator. This is going to go on as long, go on longer as I thought. I might have to break it off in twos, and I think I will in another session and listen to his teaching. Uh, that question itself is a red flag. Because remember, he has a problem with the Bible. I understand what he's saying. God is not getting all mad because you don't call his word the Bible, the scriptures, or the verse is how much you believe it. And what I see with Andy on here, he talks about faith, he talks about different things, but what I'm getting out of him is uh, nothing about what the Holy Spirit has, what's his part of the Holy Spirit are helping us to believe by faith. In other words, 
even when he talks about his approach, how to approach somebody and everything like that, we should not talk about the whole 66 books of the Bible. I get what's going on, but he has to explain himself more with that when you're on television because you got a lot of people, you got a lot of vultures out there that will use you as a straw man uh, either correctly or misquote what you are saying. So I heard some Jews, you sound to some Messianic Jews as anti-Semitic. Now, are you anti-Semitic? Ah, I don't know you, but I don't think so. But the way you sound when you come about, you sound like the Old Testament is no good or there's no future Old Testament. And that's what Andy, I believe he believes. He don't believe, he don't talk. Uh, Andy doesn't, from what I, his teachings, I never heard, heard him teach and I haven't heard all his sermons on eschatology and time events. And when a person or a minister or a teacher don't teach a lot, and I'm not saying they should, but most of the time it should be, but they don't. When they don't teach on end time events and stuff like that, it's because they don't believe there's a future for Israel. They think we are Israel. We are the church, most of them. So why teach on the millennium kingdom or whatever like that if there's no Israel? See, that's what Paul's teaching come in that's, that, that gets ignored. See, it's a lot of confusion. I can see the confusion in a lot of his teaching out of this young man, okay? And what other quotes did Andy saying? Andy Stanley Andy's teaching may make you think that following Jesus is the key to salvation instead of believing what Jesus done on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection following Jesus not believing what he did, what he did is. Now, this is my take when I, when I looked at a lot of Andy Stanley's teaching. Now, this is me right now. Andy didn't say this, but this is what I got of it. He put emphasis on Jesus' follower. So, if he's thinking in the kingdom program, believing who Jesus was, and I heard him say that for uh, things like that, or and you have to follow Jesus and believe in who Jesus was, yes, that's the kingdom program. So, his belief is in the kingdom program, but he might say it's grace. Everything is under grace, but God used grace very differently than he did, you know, different, but it was all grace, but not like the grace that he uses for the church, the body of Christ today. So Andy believes following Jesus or believing who Jesus was is the key to salvation. That's what Andy believes. He don't put a lot of emphasis when it comes to salvation on the resurrection of Christ. Uh, you have to believe that Jesus rose again and died for your sins. It's mostly following Jesus, obeying Jesus, whatever like that. You know, that's what I got a lot of his teaching, okay? All right, what else he got up in here? It's so much that I wrote down. I got Google stuff that I wrote down. <laughs> ah. Another quote from Andy. Andy said, Jesus' problem was not what he taught, but who he claimed to be. Okay, you can say that's a play with words, okay? Andy, if you read the Gospels, now you have to go back to the Gospels. And I, I know what Andy's talking about. I can, I can comprehend what he's talking about. When he said, the problem was not what Jesus taught. It's not a fact that's, that's somewhat wrong, not all the way, because people did have a problem with what Jesus taught. You about, about man loving this and, you know, you must obey this and everything and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Jesus has certain things he told man what they could not do and whatever like that, what you need to do to follow me. 
some people did. A lot of them had a problem with what he taught. So that's somewhat true. But who he claimed to be, that was the biggest problem that the higher Pharisees had a problem with. And the Sadducees had a problem with the higher leaders of what he, who he claimed to be. They had more of a problem with that than, I think, the little flock or the other followers. That's my opinion on that. So Andy believes the problem was not what he taught but who he claimed to be. Yes, there's some truth in that, but it's also not full truth. Jesus taught some things that, you know, was contrary to man's law. Remember I said man's law because Jesus can't stand man-made traditions. So he got on a lot of them for that. So, yeah, a lot of them, yeah, they did have problems of who he claimed to be. Yes, a lot of problems with that. But there were some issues with his teaching, too, as well. So there is uh, some truth in that. And when Jesus teaches the word of God, remember, and, you know, like saying the Bible, he was not teaching out of the Bible because there was no Bible. Okay, that, that's common sense. But everybody, some people don't know that, though. So he's kind of correcting that when Jesus teaches the word of God, they have most what they had didn't have more like scrolls. As when or the book of Luke said when Jesus opened up the books, he opened up the scrolls, whatever like that. It wasn't called the Bible. That's truth in that. He was not teaching out of the Bible because there was no Bible. When Jesus done that teaching, when he read out of that scroll, he he knew it by heart, of course, because he's God. And he said, in these scriptures, it has been fulfilled of what he's supposed to do, blah, blah, blah. You have to read the book of Luke. But like I said, Andy played with words a lot. No, Jesus was aware in the Bible. Most of it was he was quoting because he's God. He knew it by heart. He didn't have to memorize it. He was God. He knew it. No, that was not the Bible. If you want to be specific and nitpicking, no, he was not reading out the Bible. Jesus is the word. <laughs> okay. Okay, most of us, we shouldn't debate that. Okay, okay, we give you that on Andy, but we know that. The Bible, the name Bible, and the book came later. You know, Jesus is the word. No, he wasn't quoting out the Bible. Okay, so most of us know that, believers, real believers know that. Okay, he reads in a lot of, he reads in a lot of time what he thinks, speculates what each character is thinking and may be thinking so that there are some I said Jesus is a lot of Andy's teaching. Now, this is me critiquing Andy. I'm not saying that he's a liar, but Andy reads in a lot in the Bible. He reads in, especially when it comes to what they were thinking back then. He could be true, and he could not, but he reads in a lot. And we need to be careful with that when we got uh, young believers out there that follows Andy. Some of them would take that as what they, that's what they was really thinking. So you got to be specific. Maybe they were thinking this, but Andy does a lot of reading in of the men and the, and the uh, patriots back, or the patriarchs or the people back then, what they was thinking. Hebrew and Jewish thinking don't think like Americans. Okay, so we got to be careful. The way they read the Hebrew language and all that, it wasn't so much about America. It's like baby compared to their language. Our language came later, not theirs. So we cannot say they was thinking the same way because a lot of them understood God. They understood about the angels, what God was doing. So I'm not saying that he's wrong. So we, we got to be careful when we said, let me give an example. When you're giving a story 
and the back Bible. And uh, Moses might have said something. And, and Jesse the planters do this a lot, too. He gives you a long story of what they was thinking and what they were saying. And they would say, man, are you crazy? You know, he putting in, in a, a paraphrase English-American type of thinking. And we, us Americans and our Americans got a habit of doing that. We have to understand you know, we have to be careful. Now, it's okay to just assume, you know, whatever, like that man, maybe that, you know, when Abraham had to put Isaac on the altar and sacrifice, I'm sure he just didn't up and, I, it's bad for me to say, I'm sure. Because God talks about his faith not wavering. But I just say, I say, maybe he was just saying, well, this is hard, but I have to believe. He didn't feel down. That could be true, and I could be wrong. I don't know, but, you know, uh, someone like an Andy, and I'm not saying Andy done this or somebody, when you Jesus or you read things in, or you just uh, you just come out and say, this is what they was thinking, You your reader is thinking, some readers, that's kind of young or immature in the Word of God, they thinking that these people was thinking like them. So we got to watch that. You, you got movies that makes they, they That's why sometimes I, when I try to teach the scriptures, I just say, just think yourself as and Jew. That whole that that thinking. We all are humans, but they thought different ways because they knew the concepts and the teachings and different things. So I had an issue with that. Not saying that he wrong when I'm right, but I just had an issue with that. Okay. Okay, according to Andy, he believes Jesus is the Messiah and King, and Jesus is God. Okay, according to what I little bit I heard him say. Okay, he believes Jesus' name came as God in a baby. Okay, let me see. Oh, they all stuck together. Uh, I have so many notes and quotes from Andy. He believes. He believes Jesus came as God in a body, according to what Luke's gospel says or the other gospels. See, in other words, Andy kind of be specific. He believes that because of what Luke said. Now, I understand that. If you said, Joe, what's the problem with that? No, it's not a problem with that. But Andy sounds like, not saying that he does, but he's saying he believes that Jesus came as the Son of God and the baby, as a baby, and the manger. Okay. Now we know that Jesus is not God's firstborn. We know that. I don't know if Andy know that, but we know that I believe he's, he really knows that. And he, he should know, uh, hopefully, that Jesus was begotten on his resurrection. Big G, son of God, he was begotten. Not Jesus, not God's first son or only. Israel's God's firstborn, but that's another teaching. So he believed that about the manger and everything like that, you know. According, but he all he, he puts emphasis on, but it's according to what Luke, the person the people told Luke and what they said about that, because Luke talks about the manger. Luke's in more detail talks about, you know, the uh, the presence and all that that was from the Magi, the three presents. Some people think it was three kings. The Bible never said it was three kings. It just said the Magi. It didn't even say how many it was, but I think they, they've been taught that three, because it was three, the frankincense or whatever like this, it was three. It had to be three, but the Bible never put. That's me. We have, we have to watch what we put in the Bible that's not there. But the reason we do that, because traditionally we was taught it was three wise men, you know, which the Bible never taught. But anyway, <laughs> this is what Andy believed, according to what those gospels said. Okay, 
But all this was also prophesied in the Old Testament, was it not? All this was prophesied in Isaiah and all that had Jesus going to come and whatever. The coming and the birth of Jesus is all prophesied. See, but his faith is based on why he believed it's according to Luke's gospel or what the other gospels said that happened. You know, so that threw me off right there. So I believe the whole Bible, his, his, how they predicted how it was going to come and then was more explained. It happened, came to fruition in the book of Luke. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday your home is more than the sum of its parts and creating a truly extraordinary space is about more than picking the perfect products that's why the experts at ferguson bath kitchen and lighting gallery are here to help you throughout the entire process to create a home that's as unique as you are bring your vision to us schedule your showroom consultation and see more from brands like monogram at build.com ferguson You got to remember, it was predicted first. It was prophesied first before it happened. See, if you only believe it because it happened in according to what was told in the book of Luke, you still leaves out the beauty when it was prophesied it's going to happen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened. That's even more important. See, what Luke is doing, Luke is just explaining what they already said was going to happen in the past. So what's more important to you? You can't leave that out. If you just read Luke, basically, if you got an unreferenced Bible and you just read what Luke is saying about the birth of Jesus or whatever like that, and you never go back about it being prophesied, you're missing some very important stuff of the Bible because it was prophesied first. That's the beauty of Jesus being through the Bible, you cannot exclude the Old Testament. Now, I believe say first, like say, uh, First Timothy, First uh, Timothy and four says, the important thing, the most important thing for the will of God today is for all men and women to be saved, but all men to be quoted right, all men to be saved, and then coming to the knowledge of the truth. That's good to explain that people down the line. I agree that people need to be saved first. And know what Jesus done for them. That's the most important thing. But the whole Bible needs to be taught. And if you teach in Israel, it's not relevant for today. It's true about their law, yes. But if you lean in people in a way to, for them to think that we're the church today, we're the new Israel, you have some issue. You're misrepresenting the word of God. That's not true teaching. If you know that, but you're stubborn enough, you just don't accept it, then you are a false teacher. So that's the way I look at that. All right. I'm just giving an example. Andy Stanley puts the four Gospels and Paul letters together. I already explained that. See, he believe all that's an old te- a New Testament. So he believes the four Gospels and the 13 letters of Paul, Romans through Philemon, is all church. 
the New Testament. Like I said, you don't say the body of Christ, the New Testament. Let me keep going. Andy makes an assumption that Peter was probably illiterate. Is that what the scriptures... See, this is me. Andy made a statement, which I had to rebuttal because he made a statement about something. I forget what it was. He made a statement about something. He said, yeah, maybe Peter was illiterate or something. Now, I can understand if he said ignorant or did not know, but it literally is something mentally wrong with you. Why did he come to that conclusion? What made him think that Peter is was maybe illiterate? He didn't say he was, but he said maybe uh, Peter was illiterate. It's something Jesus showed Peter, and he said maybe Peter was illiterate or something. Why would he think Peter was illiterate? Now, I don't know why he done this. I, I'm not going to speculate on it, but I know some people, even myself was guilty of this. Traditionally, we always still looked at Peter as dumb, big, big junk, big, strong, dumb because of his outbursts. And he didn't make as many outbursts as we think he did, but traditionally he can get caught up in that bubble thinking he did. So a lot of people, I believe, looked at Peter as big and dumb or whatever like that. And the Bible, does the Bible teach us that about Peter? No, it doesn't. We was just traditionally believing that through movies, through shows, through our teachings, and through eisegesis and Peter, eisegesis and people. See, we do that a lot. We eisegesis is just said Samson had muscles and was big and strong. Did the Bible ever say Samson was muscular and big and strong? No, he said Samson was strong. He could have been. I'm not saying he was not, but was he? See, that's what I mean, reading in. And some people read in, so what they do, they make movies and Samson. Not, some of them getting getting it now, but, you know, they have to be big and strong, look like Hercules and whatever like that. That's the picture when you see Samson. You see Victor Mature, <laughs> Samson and Delilah, <clears throat> which is more fictional. Some of it is true, but what is more fictional than truth, than biblical? We eisegesis and assume that Samson was big and muscular and strong because traditionally that's how he was painted. And books, that's how he's painted. You see what I'm saying? So we think Peter, some of us think Peter was goofy and whatever like that because that's the trajectory we was taught. But it was not from the Bible. The Bible never described really the looks of Peter. You got historians that describe when they get into Josephus or whatever. That's another story. He quotes a lot of Josephus or whatever like that, you know, and uh, historians. So you got to be careful with that. And uh, I heard uh, Josephus wasn't even a Christian or a believer. How true is that? I don't know. I have to look it up myself, but it's not that important. But anyway, that's what I mean. You can have a trajectory of way somebody look. You can read the Bible and just have a projector. We, let me give you another example. Then I'm going to let you go. I'm going to do another uh, segment on this because it's longer than what I thought. Let me give you an example when you read into characters. The Ten Commandments. The movie, The Ten Commandments by Cecil B. DeMille's. Who was Moses? Who played Moses? Excuse me. Not who was Moses. Charlton Heston. When I grew up, let me speak for myself. When I grew up, many others, when we see Moses or if we read Moses in the Bible, we take that picture of Charlton Heston and put it in the Bible and project. That's how Moses looked and that's how Moses talked. Handsome, had that little white perfect beard or whatever like that. 
because tradition and movies gave us that trajectory of the way Moses looked. Now, today you have different movies about Moses, and then when you look at somebody look all short and whatever like that, don't, don't even look, oh, you say, man, ain't how Moses look. Why do we say that? Because we have the projected of the old Charlton Hester's type of looking Moses with the long beard or whatever like that. So that's what I mean when you read into things. We have to be very careful because when you grow up as a kid and when someone reads the Bible, they put pictures and they paint kids and another trajectory, you know, with the white people or the Caucasians, they make the characters white. You see what I'm saying? They make the characters white. They make Jesus pretty and handsome and uh, the kids are white. Because that's the projectory. It's a, it's a white Israel. Even though they know they're Jews, they know that Israel, but they look at them as white. Also, you have the problem, they look at them as all different types of colors. Because they don't understand it was Israel if you're talking about the Gospels. And then you got the uh, black people that have books that they say, well, they was really black, so they make all the characters black and whatever like that. That's what I mean by projectory when it comes to the Bible. We need to be careful. When it comes to this, that's what I mean. I'm not saying Andy Stanley does that. No, no, he has nothing to do with that. But I'm just adding my little touch on that. When you read into things or what people think or whatever like that, we can't Americanize the Jews. <laughs> See? Because it's a lot of thought patterns that Israel and Jews thought that's not the same as ours. I get where he's going, though, because a lot of times he might be right. I'm not saying he's wrong, but we have to be careful with that, you know. We have to be careful with that. Okay, I'm going to start with that for now. And because there's so much that I get out of the teachings of Andy Stanley. Okay. Now, I can say this. For what I get out of Andy Stanley, and what I have learned from Andy Stanley, and when I research his type of teaching, out of what... uh. Uh, what did I put it in? Okay. These different belief systems. Covenant theology, replacement theology, Calvinist theology. Okay. What in Lordship Salvation, Oneness Theology, postmodern evangelists like Rick Warren and all of them. In other words, they allow any type of thing going to church. You know, you got the uh, the elevation churches, you got the you know the the Hillsong type of churches. I mean, it, it almost looks like a club. They have a lot of beautiful worship, but you got anything can go because Jesus is love. He goes, it's almost like you know Jesus sent nobody to hell because they don't preach hell. They don't preach hell. Not saying they don't believe in it, but they that's how they get their crowd. They are feel good teaching engineers type of teachers. See? And uh I don't see Andy hurting a lot of people's feelings, so I believe he's not like Charles Stanley in that way. You're not gonna get in a lot of or to none hell teaching from Andy Stanley from what I got out of him. So what is Andy Stanley belief pattern? Andy Stanley belief pattern is a supersessionist. Now, I looked at what a supersessionist means. Supersessionist is, is really no different interchangeably. It's replacement theology. See, I didn't notice at first when I looked at the debate. Now, when you backtrack and you research the people, what, what, what they was brought up, not so much what they was brought up in because people change their beliefs. I even done that. You know, I got out of that denomination Pentecostal type and charismatic type of thinking, you know. But all this goes into that 
anti-session, it's a belief system they call supersessionist. And it's almost supersessionist. It's not a cessationist. I told you cessationists don't believe the gifts and the miracles and all that is for the day. So it's a dispensationist. We don't believe those supernatural gifts or not. Not the not the gifts that God's taught for teaching, preaching, evangelists, but the supernatural miracle science gifts. That's the dispensationist and cessationist stand on. But as far as the gifts, I don't know what Andy stands on the gifts. I never got into that much, but I wanted to go about what I got of what he was saying. So I find Andy Stanley's belief system, when I followed up, is supersessionist. He don't believe. Yeah, you have a post soup. You have a, you have different looks. When you get different, these stupid names, that's what I call them. When you get you, just like a dispensationalist. You got the, the mid-Acts, you got the Acts 28, and then you got the Acts 2. You know. Then you got the Calvinists. Some Calvinists believe this way, blah, 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 blah. Then you got the Sensationists. Then you got the uh, all kind of Baptist belief. But they all roll up in one of these beliefs. And I wrote down nine of them. Okay. To make it plain, a supersessionist belief is more closer or the same. They just use it interchangeably according to my study, you know. Is uh, replacement theology. They believe that we are the new Israel for the day, and Israel is gone. There's going to be no more Israel coming back. So if I'm right, and Andy is a full-blooded supersessionist, I'm not going to say as strict. He believes that that's why he puts a lot of emphasis on we need to stop going back to the Old Testament and the law and everything like that. I didn't know that then when I first critiqued his debate. Now, when I see what 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 is teaching is coming from supersessionist sessionist if I'm pronouncing that right believe that the old when he say strip he means it that it ought to be stripped out we need to concentrate on his so called view of the New Testament that's Matthew all the way going you know to Revelation he believes that's the New Testament not Israel nowhere see now. Do he believe that Jews can get saved today? I believe he believes that. I, no doubt. I, I'm not going to say no doubt, but I believe he really believes that. But the law, is the law coming back? No, the law is not coming back. The written law is not coming back, but the law is coming back. When they go, it would be written in their heart as, in the new covenant, but the new covenant is Israel. It's not the body. See, that's the confusion. With Andy, intelligent, good teachers like Andy, when it comes to teachers like that, when it comes to Calvinists, when it comes to covenant theology, they all ignore Paul's teaching, what Paul is literally telling us. How could you miss in the book of Romans that Israel will be reborn? Israel will be rejuvenated. That's why I said the born again is Israel, not the church. The church is not born again, the body of Christ. Israel's the born again. Israel's going to reign on this kingdom. The difference between Calvinists and Arminius, see, Calvinists and Arminius differs in Calvinists, like I said, their belief is like predestined. I told you about that. They believe that God chooses certain one for salvation. He chooses certain one to go to hell. That's, that's a Calvinist belief. Now, they have a, a lot of other good teaching, but uh, their five points is just kind of messed up. But they believe in a lot of other things, dispensation uh, type of believer, you know, or mid-acts or whatever, belief. 
But that's what the confusion is when it comes to God's word. Satan made it so confusing that people came up with all these type of names because what you believe about the Bible. I don't care if it's Baptist, missionary Baptist, or Southern Baptist. You are in a certain traditionally belief. And it came from one of these type of beliefs, Calvinists, you know, covenant theology, Armenians, all them, you know, a lot of them come from the Reformation. The Catholics started a lot of these split ups and stuff like that. You started these denominations. That's what the confusion is. God is not the author of confusion. So my point is, when it comes to Andy Stanley, since I'm talking about Andy Stanley, you know, and this is not a put down because he wasn't brought up that way, not in a, not in a, a Charles Stanley's uh, Southern Baptist background, you know. What I still don't know about Andy Stanley, what it had to, what is his take on what people need to do or what they need to believe to be saved? And I'm going to do some more searching on that because that's important. And, uh, so he's a, his, what he's following now is something called a supersession. I thought it was a postmodern. It could go with that too, but it's more closer to replacement theology. You got a lot of uh, so uh, Messianic Jews, and Messianic Jews believe in the coming Messiah. They call themselves Messianic Jews. They don't really call themselves Christians, but they call themselves Messianic Jews. Now the issue with that, Paul said, "We are as one." There's no Jew. There's no Gentile. There's no man, female, whatever like that. It's still separating yourself. You might say that I'm not a Christian. Okay, what do you call, what is considered a Christian? Remember Acts 11, that's when the Christian name first came up. Anything before that, that was not the name Christian. The Christian name came up out on Paul's teaching. They was called the way. The ones that followed Jesus, they was called Christians in Antioch, and I believe that was Acts 11. So when a Messianic Jew look at a Christian separately, and a Christian look at a Messianic Jew separately, you're separating the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is one. So there's a lot of issues. They believe in the coming Messiah. What they mean by that, majority of Jews today don't believe in the Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus came the first time. The Messianic Jew believes that the Messiah came. They believe that they're Yeshua. They're, going, they're not going to say Jesus. They're going to call him Yeshua or whatever like that. And they're going to call their Masonic and whatever like that because they use those terms. That don't mean nothing to God. See, wording calling God, Yah, calling him Yahashua, calling him Yahshua, that don't mean nothing to God. Wording and calling his name certain way, you're not even under that no more. That don't mean nothing to God. His son is. So it's okay to call him Jesus, but that, I get frustrated with that. But we start separating yourselves. Christians from Messianic Jews, Messianic Jews from Christians or Orthodox Jews, you're separating the body. If you believe Jesus came and died, was buried and rose again, according to the scriptures, you are saved. That's the problem when you ignore or you don't want to read the teachings of Paul because Paul's teachings, especially his advanced teachings, is not a Jew, so much Jewishy. It's more of a Gentile teaching because this teaching is for the Gentiles, not the Jews. That's why it's different. And some Jews just don't like his teaching because it's not teaching the law. This is Joseph Brown. I got to get I got to get into it. I'm gonna let you listen to some teachers. There's a clip on Andy Stanley, the son of Charles Stanley. I hope you get something out of this. I know it was long, but you know, I have to just be fair with Andy and let you go for now. Andy is a super secessionist. And him as being a false teacher, 
all I got to say, he, he teaches a lot of false stuff. Now, is he purposely a false teacher? The way I look at it, you know, a false teacher is a person teaching false stuff and you know it and nobody can change the way you're teaching it, then you're a false teacher in the eyes of God. Now, is Andy a false teacher or not? But I, I'm not going to call him that now, but I believe he teaches a lot of false doctrine. He got it wrong on the church. He got it wrong on Israel. So a lot of his doctrine, for what I've seen, it's not right. It's not wrong. Now, if he keeps going that route, whatever, he's labeled as a false teacher. You're not preaching the word of God. Now, I want to know what you preach about salvation because your intellect, your beautiful way of putting things or trying to make people feel good and relate is good, but it's not, not the gospel. If it's not the gospel, people are still going to hell, Andy. But I'm going to stop it right there, you know. My brother, get it together, man. I'm going to let, uh, until next time, this is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. This is just my critique because I wanted to see what's going on with Andy. What's the what's the big thing about the teachings of Andy? Now I know where he's going now and everything, so I'm going to let you listen to it a little more than I'm coming out of my conclusion, but it won't be tonight, you know. Salvation is the key. People, when you out there, the ones that's listening to me, that's listening to me, that's not saved. You heard a lot of things that I've said if you didn't walk away or just say, man, I don't understand what you're saying. I get it. I get it. But for the ones that stayed and listened to me, this is not the word of God. God is not the author of confusion. His word becomes very simple when you just let him show you what he's saying in his word. Not what man is telling you what they think or what he's really saying or throw a lot of Hebrew and Greek at you. Be careful for that. It's only one way to be saved, and it's according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you sincerely, genuinely believe it, and God is the really one, really only knows in your heart, and you receive it, and you come with that contrite heart. You just can't say it. You just say, I believe it happened. You got to believe it and just want him in your life to be your savior. You will be saved. But it comes to the point of you believing that he died for the world, for your sins. Okay? Believe that and you will be saved. Guaranteed. And then you will be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's proof that you are assured for salvation. There's a lot of confusion out there. I'm trying to help you to get out of the unconfusion. I used to be there myself. Not no more. God bless you. Body of Christ, Real Talk with Joseph Brownlee. Until next time, love you. Peace out. Bye-bye. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday.